0: Before we get started, I want to tell you about one of our awesome new sponsors, Ebels. It's the most wonderful time of the year, you know, except all those aches and pains that creep up as the weather gets cooler. or God forbid you pull a Clark Griswold while putting up the lights. But what if there's a way to be able to enjoy the cold weather of the holiday season without the associated bodily aches and pains? Well, imagine no further as Ebles CBD Topical Freeze Gel is here to the rescue. Whether it's to help that nagging shoulder injury from sports ball game of yesteryear, or it's to help alleviate those deep aches and pains CBD... Topical Freeze Gel from Ebels offers the industry best quality and strength to offer lasting relief from chronic pain. And this holiday season, all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can get that perfect gift to self or stocking suffer for that fitness fanatic in the family at an exclusive discount at checkout using code TBNS. Again, use code TBNS at checkout to get your discount applied to your order. Listen. The holidays are especially tough this year, so let's at least not spend them in pain. So use code TBNS at checkout to see the evils difference today. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman
1: Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs>
0: It's the most wonderful time of the year, indeed. Yes, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and welcome to another fun-filled episode and a fantastic week to start things off here of The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, As we wrap up uh, December uh, with this week going into next week and heading into 2021-2021. Today we are joined by city commissioner from Fargo, North Dakota, and that is Tony Garrig. And we get to discuss number one, the impact of uh, the lockdowns on the small business owners, specifically looking at restaurants and bartenders, and a proposal that Tony has made in Fargo to help set up uh, business owners. And then specifically looking at the overall government approach to the lockdowns and. Maybe why uh, they have not taken the right approach so much. So uh, Tony joins the show to dig into that and more. So without further ado, on to the show, Tony Gehrig here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Tony. So first and foremost, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. I know uh, I was pointed your way because you've been taking a stand up in Fargo, North Dakota, trying to uh, raise some awareness to the impact of the... The long-term damage that these lockdowns are really doing on uh, on businesses and and people, uh, specifically the very uh, hardworking middle-class folks out there, um, who would you know definitely be gracing an area like Fargo, North Dakota, and and you know I live here in Philadelphia. We're seeing the impact on on bars and 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 you know waitresses and so It's been it's been devastating. So let's kind of start here. Uh, you know, city commissioner. Tony, Gary, let's kind of talk about your, your background, what's got you into politics, first and foremost, getting interested in in politics. Can I tell that little bit of a story and, and your political background?
1: Sure. Um, uh, my full-time job, I'm an Air Force pilot here in Fargo. I've been in the Guard for 19 years. Uh, I'm a captain up here at the Air Guard uh, for, for North Dakota. Really, uh, I got involved with, with politics. Um, my first time, I bought a house when I was 24 years old. I didn't know anything about taxes. I didn't know anything about property taxes or what we call special assessments up here. Or, or any of those type of things. So when I got my first bill in the mail, I questioned it, and I was upset with it, and I started asking questions about it. Um, there was a particular road project that happened on my road, and I got a direct bill for that, for, for that project, and I didn't agree with it. Uh, so it was really just uh, I, I started complaining to my wife at the time and to my friends, and, and here's what's happening. I can't believe what's going on, and they got sick of it. So I decided to do something about it, and I decided to run for city commission, and I lost very badly the first two times that I ran. And then, you know, with defining my message more and more as, as, as time went on and, and getting more experience with how to message things and talking about limited government and, and reducing property taxes to the, to the most that we can so that middle class people can get into homes. Here, here in Fargo, we've, we've never had a recession as far as the housing market goes. In 2008, while it was effective, you know, affecting people all around the country, our property values went up and up. And uh, people are finding it harder and harder to find affordable housing. And we are the biggest reason for that at, at local government. Uh, not only a school board, a park board and a city commission. And for people who don't know what a city commission is, it's just city council. It's just a different name for that. Um, So the third time I ran, I won. I won won re-election in 2018, and I'll be up again in in 22 with the same message of reducing property taxes, reducing reducing specials, reducing the impact of government on people, um, and knowing our lane. I always like to ask the question, is this the role of local government? And I find that many times what we do uh, is outside those bounds.
0: Now you now let me see if I get the timeline right so you run in in Fargo, North Dakota you guys are running right now with the approval voting system correct that was implemented back with the help of it was Center of election science Aaron Hamlin and his group is that correct right uh, we
1: do have approval voting and I fought very strongly against it uh, it was it was put on our ballot uh, by a group out of Berkeley, California uh, that that uh, pushed this they got on the ballot, which is very easy to do in North Dakota we have a system where you only need a couple thousand people in Fargo to to get something on the ballot, and they did. and They were successful, and I believe we'll be working to get rid of that pretty pretty shortly. Here, um, I believe it manipulates our our, our way of, of voting, um, and we've seen the change in our in our commission since then. We have we've we've turned quite a bit to the, to the left as far as our commission goes due to this, um, and you know it's not something I'm, I'm for, uh, but you know something like range choice or something like that would be better. Um, but that is our system currently
0: <laughs> interesting so it's it 's fascinating because i 've had aaron hamlin who um he he 's actually a big Proponent of elect the the approval voting and and uh, it, it's interesting to hear because obviously you know, he he uses Fargo North Dakota as a, as a prime example for that um so it's interesting to have a city commissioner from uh, from Fargo to kind of tell your side so and maybe that could be a, a conversation we had down the road you and uh, and Aaron I'd love yeah. to hear that back and forth um it would be I- interesting
1: I, I've heard the pros of it I've heard the cons of it and I think that those cons outweigh it I, I really believe that it's it's a way for People who are more organized, so, uh, you know, smaller groups to have more impact because they can get their smaller group to, to vote in people who would otherwise not be have, have a greater stage. Um, so it's a way, you know, usually up here in Fargo, we have eight or nine people running for a commission uh, seat. Uh, usually you have one or two conservatives and usually have, you know, six or eight or whatever, uh, more liberal leaning, and that used to split up their vote. Whereas now approval voting is made so people who would otherwise really have no chance at have a position still get a lot of votes and people don't feel like they're splitting up their vote. So I, I just feel personally that one man, one vote type of deal, one seat, one vote. Uh, and that just isn't how we, we do it anymore. And uh, I see a change to go to go back the other way.
0: Interesting, yeah, definitely have to, to extrapolate in that conversation. But we didn't bring you here today to talk about uh, approval yeah. voting. We brought you here to talk about these darn lockdowns, right? And the implications yeah. of these lockdowns. Now, now, some of us, you know, I'd say in the greater Liberty movement, you know, I'm not gonna point fingers, but you know, maybe yours truly have been talking about this since March and saying, guys, listen, this is gonna have some long term, really lasting impact, and we have to, you know, address this head on. And we were told, oh, you guys just want folks that get a haircut. And I'm like, no, there, guy. there's so much more behind the scenes that you don't realize long term this is going to be doing some damage. And right now, you know, you're you're over in Fargo and you're leading the charge to help these small businesses have been hit so hard. So so, Tony, let's kind of dig into number one, set the stage for us. What kind of has been the impact of these government lockdowns on these uh, these small businesses, specifically those in the uh, the restaurant bar industry?
1: Well, just so we have the context set properly, Fargo and North Dakota has not locked down like Minnesota has. We haven't, you know, said you can't leave your house or those things. What we've done instead is we've closed businesses, specifically bars and restaurants. And we've said, you know, back in March, April timeframe, you literally couldn't go to a restaurant. Now we've we've done a little bit different where we've limited them to the, where they have to close at 10 o'clock at night and they can only have 50% capacity. Well, most restaurants can't operate that way and won't operate that way. So, what they they decide to do is either just not open their doors, or it costs more to open their doors, or they've they've cut their staff pretty dramatically. So, you might have one server in an entire restaurant um, and those type of things. So, the impact is obvious. Our unemployment uh, went from around two percent in North Dakota up to seventeen percent, wow, which is dramatic. Uh, obviously, dramatic. We lost fifty thousand plus jobs in that in that industry, give or take. Um, and you, you see it. People people aren't working. Uh, people's stress levels are up, depression is up, childhood hunger is up, homelessness, people are, are losing their homes, they're not able to pay their, their, their mortgages or their rents, uh, and they're looking at government to save them. Whereas I'm telling you, it's the government doing it. And I wanna say I want to say this as early as possible I like can in this interview. A lot of people will say, Well, Tony and people like you, you just care about the economy. You just care about money. Um, I wanna tell people that the economy is people. It's, it's not some nebulous thing. People have jobs. They're on machines. They're, they're not something you can uh, unplug and let sit there for a while. Well, things get better. Uh, if you take away their jobs or livelihood, you're creating a whole list of other problems, unintended consequences that may or may not be worse than the actual thing you're trying to, to fix. And we've become so fixated on this one thing. We completely ignore all the unintended consequences that that are, are rapidly increasing. Suicide is not something that's, that's you know, that's that's not increasing. It's it's going up. Uh, people, there's homelessness and stuff like that. It, these are real problems for real folks, and that's why people to imagine going home and seeing your kids and saying, "I can't I can't afford to take care of you anymore." And really, there's no way for us to help them. Um, and, and then until such point as the government gets out of the way and realizes that what we're doing is is more impactful. So while we're not as bad in North Dakota as some states in our shutdowns and in our in our penalties and things like that, we're getting there. And up until recently, the Fargo City Commission had voted against things like mask mandates. We had voted against things like bar closures. And at one point or another, the mayor in November said, no, we're going we're to go ahead and do these things. We're going we're to do the mask mandates. We're going to uh, do the lockdowns in the form that we're doing it. And that was a unilateral move, which is why I'm trying to take away his emergency powers. I want, I want to go back to regular order. We have five city commissioners in the city of Fargo. I want, to be, I want us to be on the record. I want there to be a problem. I want there to be a debate. I want there to be a vote and I want to be held accountable for my vote, not one man who gets to be king for eight months.
0: Yeah, and you were you were speaking beforehand that this emergency order now in Fargo, it's known to get some flooding, and this emergency order was dealt it was put in place to give the the mayor, the position to deal with the flooding, you know, in this emergency reaction. And now it's being utilized and now taken advantage of. And it kind of does speak to you, right, this unintended consequence of, you know, when we give government powers, how quickly it can be manipulated and then used against us. And and I guess so, you know, Tony, obviously your average person, they're they're looking to to folks like you and saying well, you know, you're leading the charge. So, what can we do? What what's the action items that you're currently taking right now to help curtail, uh, in this uh, prime example, the the mayor's uh, executive overreach?
1: Yeah, and so first and foremost, I'm trying to remove that, those powers. The reason that the powers were put in, well, the reason the powers have been kept for so long, is the claim that we received funding from the federal uh, government and the state government in order to take care of what's happening here in Fargo. And it's not a small amount of money; it's fifty-five million dollars we've received since the beginning, since about March, Uh, and the the contention by the mayor and by the other two commissioners who still vote to keep his power, there's one that votes with me trying to get rid of it, uh, is that if we lose the emergency mandate or the emergency declaration, we then lose the funding, and that is completely and utterly false. I have have proven that in this current agenda that will be going on tonight. We have a meeting tonight. I will show a document from our city administrator, our top employee in Fargo, that states that we will lose no funding uh, from state and federal government if we take away our, our uh, local emergency mandate. Uh, so that claim is just not true. It's a red herring. Um, and, and we need to get rid of this emergency mandate because what we're doing is we're, we're putting Tim Mahoney, our mayor, in the driver's seat, and we're not even getting asked about what we want to do in order to help people of Fargo through, through all this. So what am I trying to do in the interim? In the interim, I'm trying to uh, – we have focused very strongly and very – very uh, Straight towards bars and restaurants uh, in, in the limitations we already talked about. So, the one thing I want there's three things I want to do for them. One would be to forgive their liquor license fees for the year. Uh, two would be to, to forgive all their utility fees for the year. And three, to forgive their property taxes for the year. If we're not going to allow you to use your property the way that you were licensed to do so, uh, and we're going to take away your ability to, to pay those taxes, then we need to forgive those taxes. Uh, we may or may not be able to forgive property taxes. That's kind of a legal question we have to ask. But if we did all these things together for all the 400 plus bars and restaurants in the city of Fargo, uh, that would be it would equal to about $1.1 million would be foregoing for in tax revenue. But you know what? In the city of Fargo, we see double digit increases in, in our revenues every year, I mean percentage wise. We'd have 10 and 12 and 15 percent increases in property taxes every single year, which equals out sometimes to two, more than more than a million, $2 million. Wow. So if we simply just forego some of the increase we're asking for, uh, we'd be, we'd be well on our way to helping out. This is not a fix. This will not make them whole, but it might help them uh, hold on long enough until the, until the governor feels enough pressure to release his emergency mandate for the state and allow these bars and restaurants to operate as they were intended to operate.
0: So what's the um, what's the reason, do you think? Cause, I mean, right now you look across, I'd say, the nation and you're seeing by and large folks starting to stand up against the uh, the overreach. And yet, there are these executives that continue to want to, uh, you know, to use a Star Wars analogy. They want to tarken it, and they want to grip tighter and tighter as the, the sand slips through their fingers, uh, or star systems in that case. So, I guess why is it? Why are you seeing right these these executives wanting to uh, to really take advantage of the positions that they currently hold? Well, they can't admit
1: they were wrong, first of all. Uh, if if they start to let go of their power now. You know, we we saw an increase in COVID cases, but that's moving the goalposts, right? We always yeah. said flatten the curve, you know, make sure we don't overwhelm the, the the hospital system here in North Dakota. We haven't been doing that. Only about six percent of the people in hospital beds right now are COVID cases, and then the reason the, the other beds are you know, at capacity is because we we uh, we stopped the so-called elective procedures for so long. People want to get their tonsils out, or what, or maybe a heart surgery or something. I don't know. Uh, a knee surgery. Well, now they're in those beds and they're taking up those beds. It's not an increase in the COVID cases. So we did this to ourselves. But to your point, if if the elected officials now backtrack and say, "Well, we should probably open up the bars and restaurants and do these things," they have to admit that was not the right thing to do in the first place, and they're never going to do that. But there needs to be pressure from people to say, "Hey, admit you were wrong. Let's move forward." Um, it's not helping them uh, in the long run. I don't think you know. Waltz, the governor of Minnesota is not helping himself by keeping these mandates in place and putting good, good, hardworking people in jail. You may not have heard this story. It's a local story here. But a woman re- in, in East Grand Forks, 70 miles north of us, is refusing to close out her restaurant. She's eating, she's eating daily fines. She's going to get arrested on Wednesday, most likely. Um, wow. And they're still opening and, and doing these things because they have no other choice. It's either they go to jail or they lose everything, or both. You know what I mean? So I think these governors are going to see this. Uh, our, our governor just expanded the the, uh, the mandate to go past January. But I think if we get enough pushback from people, uh, you you will see that the it's, it's drawback and they will have to admit at some point that we're not right. Here in Fargo, the only reason I, I believe that we're continuing with our mandate that we have the way it is, to give the, the governor or I'm no, sorry, the mayor his powers. He says if, if we if the other commissioners voted uh, to resend them, we would have to admit in the first place that was no it was never required.
0: Wow. It it's wild. When you, you hear the the, the real implications and impacts of of these lockdowns on real people. Right. And that's the part that I think is being forgotten in many cases of how really damaging it is. I mean, goodness, there are gyms that I know people have spent their, and there's one thing too, drives me crazy. They're like, Oh, you think of your traditional gym, like an LA fitness and whatnot? And they think, you know, they're a big chain. It's like, well, those individual gyms are owned by franchise owners. And you know, those individual franchise owners, they're not, you know, multi-millionaires. They, they own a gym. And, 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 you know, anybody who's been in the the fitness industry know, I was in the gym industry for a while, like, you know, it's, it's not exactly, you know, a hand over fist, you know, (laughs) big cash endeavor, but it's something you do because it's a, it's a passion project. Really. It's a labor of love. And, and you're telling people who they, that's really their life. You're telling them, I'm sorry. No, you, you, you're not an essential employee. And, and how, I mean, how how dystopian, right? Essential versus non-essential who, who is considered to be, you know, a a necessary employee person in society. Tony, I'm hoping, you know, do you think that there's an opportunity right now for this anti, you know, anti-state approach to top-down control of an economy? Do you think that there's a a rising up fervor of folks who are, you know, banding together politically to make some long-lasting substantive changes here?
1: Yes, you already see it. We had a state legislature, uh, a legislator uh, who owns a restaurant in Bismarck, our capital, uh, he had more than 50% capacity. He was open past 10 o'clock just yesterday. And uh, he got a warning from from the governor. You know what I mean? And he pushed back. He he, he, did, a, he did a press release saying of who he was. He's a, he's a representative from Bismarck. He's also a doctor. He also owns some restaurants. And he said, these are unconstitutional uh, powers we've been giving him. Uh, the order is unconstitutional and it's overbearing. You're going you're to put people out of business. And it hurts the poorest the most. That's what people I don't think remember. It does hurt the poorest the most. I talk to bar reformers all the time who say, you know what? I'm not making any money but I'm paying my bills. And after this is all done, we're going to start making money again. But as of now, I have half my staff and the the girl or the guy who used to wait tables and, and make, you know, $120 a a day are now making $20 a day. And how are they supposed to survive on that? So it's not about the people making money. It's not about these big rich people who we want to stick it to and say, no, close down your bar or restaurant. You're exactly right with, with the gyms. It's not these people who don't just have money in the closet somewhere. Right. They're regular. They're your neighbors. They, they, they lived here right next to you this whole time, just trying to get by with what they what they're trying to build. And while we are hurting them very badly, we're hurting the poorest the most. And, and that's what's being lost in all this. While we're trying to help the poor, we keep saying, we keep hearing from the other side is we need to have these direct payments from the government for $1,200 or $600. And, and that'll help people. Well, yeah, they might pay their rent for a month. This has been going on for eight and nine months. And you're not helping them. You're hurting them. And you need to open back up. And a lot of those people who want to stay home, to stay home. A lot of people who want to work to work. Let people cut their hair. You know, let them do those things. And if, you gotta take, if they want to take precautions, that's fine. Wear a mask. Do what you have to do, social distance. But the answer is not to destroy the economy. And again, the economy is not something that thing; saying. It is the people.
0: Yeah, and people will make the, the calculated risks, you know, in, yeah. in their own accord. We, we look no further than as this entire COVID-19 pandemic started to fall upon the Americas, right? I mean, you had South by Southwest. Cancel. And I was like, oh, that's a big deal when South by Southwest cancels their entire like that's a multi-million dollar sponsorship. You know, yeah. that's a big deal when they do that. You look at the NCAA, they canceled uh, March Madness. That's a big deal. Uh, the NBA canceled the finals. And, and all of a sudden you start to see these dominoes go in effect. And I'm thinking, you know, this was before any real big government mandates for lockdowns. This was happening in across the board. So I think we see we see it right there before our eyes. We can make calculated decisions and, and calculated risk assessments, but hey, maybe we don't need folks like, you know, Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York putting these sick covid patients back into nursing homes which is going to then spread across the entire nursing home uh you know contingency across new york state because believe it or not workers work in multiple different homes and if they're asymptomatic it just it spreads like wildfire and i know new york they're going through another case of this across nursing homes so you know i guess i'm hoping that we are going to see a change for the better with some folks aiming to to aim for more liberty but i i guess i have to ask you this on the flip side and we you discussed this when you're talking about approval voting there has been a rise on the left and you're seeing you're seeing it in fargo which for me is a little interesting because you know being up in the, the i'd say the northern states you think more traditional like conservatarian i guess approach to governance and i would be surprised to hear you have this much fervor coming from the left so i guess tony speak to that what what's causing this rise from uh from more on the left
1: well, no, Fargo is, is has always been purple. We're the metro. We're the biggest metro in North Dakota, which I, I know isn't saying a whole lot, but you know our metro is about two hundred fifty thousand people, which is about you know the, the whole state is less than eight hundred thousand people. Um, so, small town North Dakota is much different than Fargo, North Dakota, right? That I want to talk about more local control. I want to talk about the city commissions and the city councils being able to decide what they want to do with their city. They want to mask up and close on the bars and restaurants. If they want to close the churches, whatever. And I'm not for that. But let that be a local decision, not brought down by the governor or by the president or anybody else. But if it's local, then people can call me. I have a cell phone here, and everyone, everyone, it's on, it's on the website. Everyone can call me, and I will answer that phone. Uh, and it's going to be my neighbor down the street who's, who's mad about his, his garbage or, or, or whatever or mass mandates it doesn't matter. I get the same phone calls. So at the local control area, we, in that in that regard, I think it'd be far more effective, and there'd be a lot less anger because people would have someone to talk to if they didn't. agree. You know, when you talk about sports. Uh, we're not just talking about like pro sports, but, you know, kids sports, you know, we can't, we couldn't play football. We couldn't play basketball. We couldn't play volleyball uh, because of these things. And now we're loosening up on that, I guess. Uh, But, you know, that's something that that affects kids. Uh, You know, we have an entertainment, Fargo is is the entertainment district here in in North Dakota. We have a lot of live bands. We have have a lot of people be surprised. um, uh, About how active and and, and stuff like that Fargo really is and how vibrant Fargo really is. And we just canceled all that stuff. No more outside events. I mean, was, it was really shocking. And then, you know, the company that brings those acts in is going to go under. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's it's kind of crazy. But the rise in the left, you know, we've seen things like uh, BLM uh, rallies here that went bad. Uh, we had fireballs being thrown and, and stuff and windows being broken. Uh, we haven't had a TIFA up here, thank God, yet, but that was kind of part of that group as well. Um, but we, we've we've seen a lot more activity on the left uh, about showing up to meetings and being very vocal and being disruptive. Uh, and they're they're making a mistake. They, they want these things. They want a big government to take care of them. Uh, but we have never been that way up here in the north. We've been very self-sufficient. We've taken pride in the in the idea that we're gonna we just want to make our business do our work and just get out of the way and we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it right. We have, like I said, we've had floods up here, and what, the way that we we handle our floods is people come together. Government, it doesn't save us. It's, it's 100,000 people volunteering to to um, build uh, mounds and, and uh, fill sandbags. And we've been doing this for 100 years. You know what I mean? So it is a little bit shocking. But at the same time, you're seeing a pushback from, from the right as well, from people who just want to be left alone. And this isn't just about business and the economy. It's also r- the religious right who us to be able to just, to just go to their church and meet and, and have a wedding or have a funeral. I had a friend who's, whose grandmother died. Uh, just a couple days ago, and she was unable to go to the room to see your grandma one last time because of COVID-19 restrictions, I would, have been, I would have been in jail, you know what I mean, if they would have tried to stop me to see my grandma for one last time, you know? So there is a rise on both sides, and that's why the tensions are so high, because I don't know who's going to win yet in this, but I can't imagine that the governors are still going to be able to do what they're doing currently and have and have to govern anymore. There's not going to be the business that people are going to leave, um, and, you know, I, just, I can't imagine that it keeps going on this way.
0: Yeah and I think you you solved the the problem in your initial response and that is it seems like the only real alternative going forward is some sense of federalism. Like, we need to really get back to having more local decisions and local conversations. Because I I think right now, and you're seeing it right now on the microcosm that is, you know, Fargo going towards, um, you know, the the state and then the state to the federal, right? Like, you'd want Fargo making decisions for Fargo. You'd want the greater state making more, you know, statewide decisions. And then, you know, let the national decisions be maybe more large, maybe not as controversial decisions, maybe just more, okay, we can kind of agree general, you know, the idea of what the original constitution was. So I guess, what do you think in, in terms of actually going forward is the best way to actually get these ideas into action? I, I, it's funny, we didn't even start out talking about political affiliation or ideology or anything like that, but I'm curious, kind of where do you find yourself and uh, maybe where do you find us being able to promote these ideas most effectively?
1: I'm a classic liberal, and, and that means most people understand what that means, but it means individual over government. Uh, it means that I get to decide what's for my family and for, and for my community. As a, as a local leader, I don't want to make decisions for, for Bismarck or for Grand Forks or for Grandin, which is a very small town just north of us. I want to make your decision for you. You make your decision because everything's going to be different. If you have eight people in your town versus 250,000, you're going to make different decisions as that as that goes. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. They don't want the governor to to decide what the state's going to do. They don't want, they especially don't want the president to do that. I like what you said about that. With a vaccine, things like that, that's where the federal government can come in and help. If they want a relief package, fine. I understand that. That's not going to be my first choice, but I understand that. But the reason we need the relief packages now is because we were so heavy handed to begin with. uh, And we saw the the destruction of that, that that entailed. So I think people are waking up to this notion that we want to be left alone. We just want to... Exercise the liberties that we have enshrined in the Constitution. Uh, you know, it's not selfish to want to gather with your family on on uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving, which has been a narrative that has been passed uh, of late. It's not selfish to want to speak out, speak your mind. Um, it's not selfish to want to have a business and just run it the way you want to run it. And if you don't want to go to that business, don't come to my business. Go somewhere else. Um, but this this whole notion that it's being selfish if you, if you uh, don't want to do what I'm telling you to do. It has become very, very uh, disgusting in my mind, um, and we need to get back to to individualism, and that's what's going to fix this problem. Or anything else? Uh, I think people are responsible. I look at South Dakota; our curve has been almost exactly like South Dakota. They had no mandates whatsoever. They have a very similar population as us. Yes, they are bigger, which even adds more credence to their to the way they're doing things. Wow! They've got a bigger population than we do, um, and and our curve is exactly the same. Uh, we had a mass mandate put in place, and at the exact same time that we put it in. Their curve dropped exactly the same way our curve dropped uh, in, the, in the last few weeks here. So uh, that, that's my only thing. Is I just want us to stop looking to government to solve our, all of our problems because it's not the vehicle for it 99% of the time.
0: Man, Commissioner Tony Garrett, we're definitely going to have to have you uh, back on the show because this is, I think, one of those conversations. It's good to hear from a more uh, local perspective how it's actually impacting real people. I mean, I had Mayor uh, Glenn Jacobs, uh, Kane, WWE fame, uh, on the show discussing, you know, in Tennessee how things were there in in Knox County, and it's great to hear, you know, folks like you out there fighting the good fight. So, I mean, with that being said, definitely have to make sure we have you on the future. But with that being said, where can folks go ahead and follow you so they can stay up to date all that's happening in Fargo and uh, stay up to date with all uh, you're doing. To help lead the good fight, to uh, help restore some rights there for business owners in uh, in Fargo.
1: Sure, it's just Tony Garrig on Twitter, and Garrig is spelled like Lou Garrig. Uh, same same last name, um, and I'm on Facebook, Tony Garrig, Fargo City Commissioner. I like to post the, the interviews I do, the, the videos I do. I, I do a lot of writing, a lot of op-eds. I, I also do a, a bi-weekly video uh, to show how I how I voted at every city commission meeting. So I explain why I voted the way I did. Uh, I'm the only commissioner that does that, has ever done that. Um, but I want to have there to be a record as to, so we don't forget because that's I think we're, we're, we're winning this too soon, too, is we forget what happened and we fall into the same traps over and over again. We knew the lockdown was going like work back in March and April, and, was, and yet we're being pushed to do it again. And then we're saying, well, now it has to be a longer period of time. So, no, we have to remember what we did, remember what turned out. And, you know, two weeks to, uh, to flatten the curve has become eight months to flatten the number of people who get COVID. And that's not what our intent was ever. Um, so there's a lot of issues beyond COVID that I would love to talk to you with, uh, you know, property tax and, and incentives is a big, a big issue here in the city of Fargo. We have a city love to give big corporations lots and lots of money uh, to move here. It has never been a successful program for us. Uh, we, while Fargo is growing, we're a booming, booming town. Lots of tech, lots of schools. We have lots of uh, hospitals, lots of engineers. Uh, you know, it's a great place to live with, with, a, with a high median income. Uh, and the average age is only 32 years old. Um, and it's a great city to be, but we have become well, far too reliant on government and that needs to stop. And I want to talk to other city, city, local city leaders and county leaders and tell them what we're doing up here to try to slow that, uh, sl- that slow role of government to increase.
0: All right. Commissioner Tony Garrick, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols show. And obviously we'll make sure we have you back on to see all that's happening up there in the great state of North Dakota in Fargo. Thanks again. All righty, Thank you. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo in his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seat. So, head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his Grand Mayonnaise Conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Tony Gehrig, City Commissioner from Fargo, North Dakota. What a fantastic conversation that was. And thank you, uh, Commissioner Gehrig, for joining the Brian Nichols Show. And I'm looking forward to that conversation where we dig into the... uh, I guess the overall implications of approval voting from someone who actually went through the approval voting process. Um, So I'm I'm very interested to hear that conversation. And we will be actually having another conversation uh, with Aaron Hamlin from the Center for Election Science uh, and a a friend of mine from uh, Ranked Choice Voting over in Maine discussing that. Um, So that'll be a great panel discussion as well. Doing a lot of uh, digging into some of these very, uh, some, you know, what, nuanced conversations that need to be had. So uh, looking forward to that as we go forward into uh, next year. Uh, But how about this? Going into Wednesday, I am joined by a Twitter personality, and you guys would know him from his Substack, is Kurt Libertarian, Checkmate the State, talking about his awesome uh, Substack article, which was Guerrilla Politics, what the Libertarian Party needs to do and actually... Uh, wanting to be successful going forward, do they want to actually win some elections, win some policy? Uh, well, Kurt and I, we have a pretty in-depth conversation there and a great conversation it is. So make sure you go ahead and hit subscribe and you're not missing a single episode, including that great conversation airing here on Wednesday. And I said hit subscribe wherever it is. You know, first and foremost, you want to follow me on social media at liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, Twitter, is great yes um but i have a feeling that uh you know folks in the more conservatarian and libertarian spheres of influence on twitter uh Time is limited. So if you have not yet, head over to Parlor, which is also a great alternative. I spent a lot of time there at B. Nichols Liberty as well. Uh, And folks, I mentioned, yes, hitting subscribe. Head over to wherever it is you get your Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is. And give us that five-star rating and review if you'd be so kind. And uh, if you do, remember, you're uh, through now, through the end of the year, entered into that awesome Ebles Topical Freeze Gel CBD Giveaway Give me that five-star rating and review. Send me a screenshot of said review, brian at briannicholsshow.com. So, guys, that's all I have for you here today, but make sure you check in for Wednesday's awesome conversation with Kurt Libertarian, but otherwise, guys, that's all I had to say. So, it's Brian Nichols signing off here. I'm the Brian Nichols Show for City Commissioner Tony Gehrig. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.